Andrew. I'm Rachel. And this is Struggle Session. No, it's not. That's another letter of one. It is, yes. <laughs> no, this is Armchair Apocrypha. <laughs> That's right. It's Armchair Apocrypha. This is the uh, the podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true stories. Yeah. I think that they're possibly true. Most Mostly of them, true. Most of them. Have you true. ever it's got lied to me on purpose? I've never lied to you on purpose. At least with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There have been times where, like, the stories that I'm telling are apocryphal. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, the ga- Game of Widows was the big one where it was oh, like, yeah. this is probably not true, but it's a great that's story. That's a great story. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. As you should. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Um, how was your week? It was good. It flew by for some random reason. Yeah. Nothing exciting, but I did dog sit. Nice. And I think I bitched about it last time, but I'm dog sitting a lot now, and I'm like almost the <laughs> miss my apartment. <laughs> I miss just being alone because, like today, I just had all these things that I need to do, but I can't really leave because they literally live so far out. Yeah. It's not like I can go do a couple things and come back. That's really but it worked out. Like when you live 20, 30 minutes from anything, it's yeah. like you've got to drive all the way to get anything. And not to be a complainer, but that's, like, a lot of gas and money. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's the only real reason. Like, I don't mind taking the time to, like, get there. But, I mean, I already drive 15 miles to work one way every day. So, it's not like I don't know how to do that. But Right. When I was an undergrad, I used to drive 45 minutes to to school. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. God. That sounds awful. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And then, what if there was traffic? Oh, I hate traffic. There was one time where, like, there was an explosion on the interstate. Oh, my I gosh. Think a, ga- a gas truck exploded. <laughs> um, and, like, it was just backed up. And, like, I sat in traffic, like, missing my class, like, looking down at the clock going, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And um, there I go. I missed it. There it goes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. No, it was that's... pretty bad. I don't understand how people can commute like <laughs> an hour every day to work. My parents used to do it for work. Shh. Man. Yeah. Kudos. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it anymore, but when I was like 18, it was fine. I can see that. Just I took 20 minutes going. to walk from my apartment to class every day. That yeah. was fine. Yeah. But I literally just had to cross one big street and yeah. then get over to campus and whatever. That's but anyways, how was your week? Oh, it was uh, it was fine. It was quiet. Um, helped plan the uh, rally yesterday, and then ended up sleeping through it, as I told you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But from you were I, there in sleepy spirit. I was there in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I can tell, it re- went really well. Good. Uh, Surge, Black Lives Matter, and the Hente, um turned the uh, MoveOn.org individual planned rally. Um, into a march and got them to, to march from the um, the city hall down to the ICE headquarters. Um, good. Yeah. Made a, a lot of statements. Uh, had a lot of really good speakers, uh, spe- especially speakers of color. Um, good. Yeah. I'm uh, glad it went well. And DSA was there passing out water and um, what's it called? Sunscreen. Sun- Sunscreen. Sunscreen. 
um, thing to protect you from the sun. Yeah. Especially for gingers. It doesn't really work for me. Like, <laughs> Sunscreen even, doesn't work for it, you? It really doesn't. Like, I'll, you just burn. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put some on and it, w- it will work for a little while. And then if I don't reapply it like every hour on the hour, I'll burn. Oh my gosh. And it's like clockwork. As soon as like it wears off, it starts to turn red. Oh my gosh, that's awful, Andrew. That's why you wear hats. Yes, that's why um, I wear hats. That's this why. This might be a stupid question. What's but that? You don't tan at all, do you? Oh, you just no. go from red to white. I go from white to red to red to white. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, wear that sunscreen. Yeah. I don't know what mine those is. Ears. <laughs> I always get, I always get so paranoid when I'm out in the sun. Yeah. If I'm going to the pool. I get so paranoid about making sure I get... I, like, lather my ears that I'm pretty sure that there's always just sunscreen <laughs> on it. And I don't care. So I get very... Not that I ever had a bad experience burning my ears, but I just get very paranoid that I'm going to burn them. Yeah. As when I have this stupid part on my <laughs> head that always gets sunburned and I forget oh, no. about it. And then it hurts when you brush your hair. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. I don't have to worry about that too much because I just want to come through it. And yeah. It's usually fun. Good. Um, yeah, I don't know where my sunscreen is. I bought, like, a case of it, uh, last like summer. Like It was just, like, it was one of those, like, uh, eight packs of the spray-on sunscreen. Oh, yeah. Um, I think They're you can get them at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, like, this case of it, and I think I used two of them and lost six of them. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know where the other six are. Like, my apartment's not that big. It's not. I don't know where they would have gone, but I can't find them. Maybe when you move, you'll find them. Maybe when I move, I will find them. <laughs> um, I also bought... Apparently, there's just a black hole in my apartment, because I also bought um, uh, kitchen sponges yeah. at, uh, well, at Kroger, Kroger the other day. Yeah, you get, the, like, the pack of them. Yeah, and I don't know where I put them. Like, I looked through my kitchen, I couldn't find them. I looked through my living room, I couldn't find them. They're in my bedroom, I hope. Um... <laughs> So yeah, apparently there's just a black hole in my apartment where I'm losing shit. That is weird. It's so weird. Um, yeah. But otherwise, this week has been much easier than last week. Good. Uh, I'm glad. We also had that big storm on Tuesday, which was... Yeah, we did. Strange, but it was not like It literally week. looked like it was nighttime at 2 p.m. Yeah, it was full apocalypse, tornado signs, yeah. um, all that jazz. Uh... A lot of places around here lost electricity. I didn't, but, like, that whole section over there did. Um, Down Shelby Rural Road lost electricity. Oh, both malls. One mall lost electricity. Yeah. So I guess that they just shut down. It's like, what can you do? You can't do anything. Um, The Dollar Tree over there. (laughs) The electricity was out. Uh, (laughs) So I just made my way back here, and I was, like, chilling. Yeah. I didn't lose electricity either, but some of my neighbors did. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if any of these people, but I'll yeah. talk to them. So. Uh, you ready to go into the episode? I am. Cool. I'm excited to hear who you're going to talk about. Well, you've never talked about... Well, you've talked about rights, so... Since you should talk about a person. I do talk about people a lot. Um, I like that. I like people. I've got another person for you. Okay, great. Um, this is also going to be a really short one, because there's not a whole lot uh, that's really known about her. Okay. But um, I do like... Uh, I do like the story. Okay. Um, so I'm going to be talking about Sarah Biffin. Sarah Biffin? Have you ever heard of her? Should I have? No, probably not. No, well, no, I haven't. Well, this one goes out to all the art nerds. Um, <laughs> Sarah Biffin. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Have you seen my stick figure? It's really good. <laughs> I don't think I have, actually. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> um, Sarah Biffin was a Victorian English painter. Um, but unlike most Victorian English painters, she was born without arms. Um, and her, her legs were most, mostly vestigial. Um, she measured about 30 cent- 37 inches tall, which is just over three feet. So she was a tiny person. She was very, very small person. How, what, when was this? This was 1784 until okay. 1850. Okay. She lived, a, she lived, yeah. She lived a long and prosperous life. Good. Um, she was born in October 1784 to a family of farmers um, in Somerset. Uh, despite her handicap, despite having no arms and only vestigial la- legs, uh, she learned to read um, and was able to write using her mouth. Her mouth? Her That's mouth. not where I saw that going. Um, she could also do needlework and use scissors using her mouth. What? Okay. Um, when she was 12, her family apprenticed her to a man named Emmanuel Dukes who exhibited, exhibited her in fairs and sideshows throughout England. Because um, that's all they're good for. Right. Uh, a little American horror story for sure. Yeah, that's what I was um, just thinking of. According to some accounts, it was Dukes who taught her to paint, holding the paintbrush in her mouth in order to, to increase her value as an attraction. Mm, here, hold this. Yeah. I gotcha. Now paint something. <laughs> That was his inspiration that to was, her. That was probably his reasoning, but she really took it and ran with it. Um, she held exhibitions, she sold her paintings and autographs, um, and she took admissions fees to let others uh, see her sew, paint, and draw. Um, she drew landscapes or painted portrait miniatures on ivory, uh, which she sold for three guineas each. Um, I didn't do the math on how much that is, but it's a good amount. Probably yeah. Probably like 20, $20 to $30 now. That's good. Yeah. Uh, contemporaries praised her skill, and some of her miniatures survive to this day. Um, Dukes apparently promised to give her a thousand guineas if his protege did not live up to his billing. However, Biffin may have received as little as five pounds a year while she was with Dukes. Say what? She received about five pounds a year. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. She should hit him with her head. <laughs> Yeah. Or mouth. More effective with the head, though. <laughs> Have you ever seen the game uh, Lisa? Um, I think it's... Uh, I can't remember what the second one is. It's a indie game. No. Throughout the game, you get choices. Uh, there's this one guy who's, like, obsessed with torturing you. And you Ugh. get the choice to either, like, lose a party member or cut off one of your arms. Um, and I watched one guy play through it. It was John Wolfe... Uh, and he, rather than sacrificing his party members, was like, just cut off my arm. Um, so at the end of the game, he had no arms, and so his attacks were all biting attacks. Oh, nice. <laughs> See? You learn. Yeah, you learn to ad- adapt and yeah. adjust. Um, in St. Bartholomew's Fair of 1808, uh, George Douglas, the Earl of Morton, wanted to see if Biffin could really paint unaided. Once he was convinced, he sponsored her to receive lessons from a Royal Academy of Arts painter, William Craig. Hey. Um, the Society of Arts awarded her a medal in 1821 for her historical miniature, and the Royal Academy accepted her paintings. 
The royal family commissioned her to paint miniature portraits of them, as a result of which she became very popular. Um, she set up a studio in Bond Street, uh, London, um, and she was mentioned in Charles Dickens, uh, Nicholas Nickleby, Martin Chuzzlewit, and Little Dorrit. Oh, that's cool. Um, in 1827, the Earl of Morton died. Without the support of a noble sponsor, Biffen ran into financial trouble with, when, her manager asked, uh, when her manager used most of her money. Um, Queen Victoria awarded her a civil list pension, and she retired to a private life in Liverpool. In Liverpool? Liverpool. <laughs> um, some years later, she married, and 12 years later, tried to renew her success with the name of Mrs. Wright. Uh, the attempt wasn't successful, uh, but her supporters, including Richard Rothbone, arranged a public subscription to finance her for her final years. That's so cool. So even though she never regained her previous celebrity, uh, she was taken care of financially, um, mm -hmm. and she kept a lot of her fans. Um, she died at the age of 66 in uh, October of 1850 and was buried in uh, St. James Cemetery in Liverpool. That's neat. It's a neat little story. Is there a movie about her? I think that there is. Um, I don't know what it would be That would probably called. be Armchair Apocrypha where they add lots of extra stories. Probably, yeah. Let me see. There might be... I'm not seeing How'd that. you come across her? There was a post going around Tumblr, I think. Um, about uh, as always like artists that don't get re much recognition mm -hmm. usually because they're women or people of color and somebody had added her name to it oh neat um, it doesn't look like there's a movie I guess we gotta make up the movie then the Andrew mm -hmm. um, so yeah I would definitely make that movie it would probably that would be a prob probably a pretty easy movie to make, like an hour and a half. Yeah, solid structure. 90 minutes. Solid 90 minutes. The second act would her be getting really popular, yep. being trained at the Royal mm -hmm. Academy of the Arts, mm -hmm. uh, being uh, patrons by uh, the royals, Yep. Um, getting really popular, and then uh, the second act break would be like her patron dying. Yep. Um, her losing her popularity, yeah, li living on, living on her pension, um, and then like the last ten minutes would be her trying to come back, and her fans just like awarding her with the money, even though she's not as popular as yeah. she was. Love it. That would be a really like good movie to make. <clears throat> All right, you talked about an awesome person. <laughs> I don't talk to you about mostly horrible people. Okay, let's hear about your horrible people. <clears throat> well. Feel like anyone who's in nope never mind um <laughs> so you know my obsession with the romanov family yeah and Ro it's not just the last romanovs it's like the entire romanov dynasty okay. um but today i want to talk about how the romanov dynasty actually started okay um did you know that there were only two dynasties in all of russia's rich history i did not know that the rurik dynasty r-u-r-i-k rurik Work that ruled from 862 okay. to 1598. That's a 736-year rule. That's a that's a long dynasty. That's a very long dynasty. <laughs> and the Romanov dynasty ruled from 1613 to 1917, a 304-year rule. 
for all which of is our, also very effective <laughs> for all of our um international listeners for like 700 years that's not that long that's actually it is even still yeah what well, even with like um in England, because they would change so often, yeah. these this rule is still any longer than any in the UK. Now I can't tell you about the smaller, um, con- or not smaller, but the other countries, like the Poles. I was just going to say, keep in mind we're American, so any, yeah. di- any dynasty longer than like three generations is it's amazing, uh, impressive to us. All right, so to talk about how the Romanovs came into power, we actually have to go all the way and start with Ivan the Fourth of the Rurik dynasty. Everyone knows him as Ivan the Terrible. I remember Ivan the Terrible. And he's not given that name because he's a good person, <laughs> I didn't think he was. Um, I know he, how words work. He, <laughs> <laughs> he reigned from 1533 to uh-huh. 1584. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to tell you his whole rich history because, my God, he has a rich history. I'm just going to give you some highlights. <laughs> um, he was the first Russian ruler to give him the name, the Tsar, yeah. Tsar of Russia, which means emperor. He like noticed that they were using it in the Western world and was like, I want to be called that. And so he was called that. Um, so he became the first uh, imperial Russian. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, all the other ones before him were, but now he added the title to it. Extra oomph. Titles are important, guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of details known about his early life. Um, in his Storm's debate, his accomplishments as the leader, yada, yada, yada. However, um, it is generally agreed that his reign established the current Russia Russian territory and centralized the government for centuries to come so he actually like got the what is now the landscape of russia because like yeah. when they first started in 1862 it was tiny it kept expanding actually expanded to even further out and then they lost it and then this is kind of like where it kind of set in this is the russian territory um his father basil the third died when he was three years old um his mother elena uh ruled as regent until her death in 1538 when ivan was just eight uh, so during this time, the realm, because there was no ruler really, uh, rapidly de- degenerated into chaos, and all the noble families to be- dispute the legitimacy of his mom's role because that never really happened before. Mm-hmm. It just goes to the next male heir, but he was three at the time. Um, it is said that there are documents saying that he did torture animals as a small boy, so you know that's a great sign. Yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, personality trait to mm-hmm. get young. But then at the very old age of 17, in 1547, he was they thought he was old enough, so he was crowned the czar yeah. of Muscovy, because that's what it was called at the time. That same year, he also married Anastasia Romanova. Um, Anastasia. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking that, but I thought it would sound very prudish to me, so I just stopped. Um, Sorry if I sound prudish, listeners. So they were married for about 13 years, and apparently he was deeply in love with her. Mm-hmm. And so when she died in 1560, he apparently went into a great depression, and his behavior became more erratic. Not that he didn't have erratic behavior beforehand. They just said that it was more now and called bullshit on it. Like, no, it probably was. Now you're putting a reason to it. Yeah. Um, over the next 24 years, Ivan conduct Ivan the Fourth conducted a reign of terror, displacing and destroying the major noble families in the region and earning the moniker by which he is best known, 
Ivan the Terrible. Right. Um, he's also known by the nickname Bronzy, which roughly translate to as uh, formidable or sparking terror or fear, because that's what he did to the Russian people. Um, it was during this period that Ivan beat his pregnant daughter-in-law, causing a miscarriage, killed his son in a subsequent fit of rage, and blinded the architect of St. Basil's Cathedral. Sounds um, like a wonderful person. Yeah, he's a great guy. Just, uh, yeah. um, you just gotta give him some time. <laughs> it was... No one can change him but you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was also during this time that he created... Um, forgive me. The... Opportuniki? What? Opportuniki. Opportuniki? Yeah, the first official secret Russian police force. Wonderful. You knew that was going to happen. We always, um, we always, uh, we always really kind so of that's a secret police. So, Ivan the Terrible in uh, 1584 was getting sick. And he died. Mm-hmm. He tried to get, like, I don't want to say warlocks, but he tried to get, like, soothsayers to, like, bring him out of his sickness, but it didn't work. Because just like any normal person, he was also scared of death. Wait, you're saying that warlocks can't cure, like, existential depression? Nope. Not these warlocks that he found. I've <laughs> got to cancel my warlocks. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> yeah, you've got to. Hey, you're just taking your money, Andrew. Um, so when he died in 1584, he left the country in disarray with the deep political and social scars. Um, and not to judge a person by their looks, but have you seen a picture of Ivan the Terrible? Yeah. He looks... He looks terrible. Terrible yeah. and horrifying. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. Um, now, was he the last of the Rourke family? No. There was one more person. Okay. I just This is me setting the scene. Okay. Um, I'm listening. So the only heir to take over was... I don't know how to pronounce this name either... Fedor, the first F E O D O R. Some um, also have F Y in it. Yeah, Fyodor. Fyodor. Like yeah, Fyodor. Yeah, Fyodor. We'll do that. Um, <coughs> so he was the only one to take over. Fyodor the first. Um, Fyodor was born in Moscow in 1557. Um, he was uh, the sixth and youngest child from Ivan the Fourth and his first wife Anastasia. <laughs> um, he grew up with only one older brother, Ivan, obviously, um, uh, because of all the six children, only a few had survived, yeah. and then all the rest were girls. Um, actually, all of the all of the other older siblings died before Fyodor was one year old. Actually, wow. take it back. So it was just Ivan and Fyodor. Um, his mother also died by the time that Fyodor was three years old. So it was just his father, Ivan, and himself. Um, he was noted for being very fond of churches and would often cause the bells to be rung according to special tradition in the Russian Orthodox Church. For this reason, he's known to history as Fyodor the Bellringer in the Western side. Now in Russia, they don't give him that name at all. Okay. Um, but he was known for doing that. Hmm. So here we go. Let's talk about Fyodor a wee bit. Let's talk about Fyodor. Um, Fyodor was said to have been a very weak leader. He left the governing to his brother-in-law, Boris Gudnov. Gudnov. <laughs> I spelled don't that. Um, who <laughs> was actually the real leader of Russia, like making all the decisions. Okay. Um, when he ascended the throne, 
1584, this was three years after Ivan the Terrible killed his son, Mm -hmm. Ivan, in the fit of rage. Um, So Theodore never actually expected to be the Tsar his entire life up until his brother was killed. He, like, just, you know, that wasn't on his mindset. Right. And, uh, um, so this is the, here's a little twist in it. So, Theodore, um, was, and I read this in several sites, apparently, um, too mentally deficient to govern is what they said. Um, he was gentle and quiet and believed to have been actually mentally disabled person who lacked the intelligence to rule. Mm -hmm. Um... Ivan the Terrible had perceived this, that his son was ill-equipped to be Tsar, and anticipating his own death, he tried to smooth the path for his humbly gifted son, as they said, uh, by creating a five-member advisory council to help him rule. Okay. Um, but it was Boris who was on this council member and who was one of the people who did most of the Tsar duties, actually. Um, so four years before he became Tsar, he married Irina, um, who was... A person that they knew. It doesn't really matter who is she's related to. It's not important. Although the marriage was arranged by the Tsar and the couple knew nothing of each other before the wedding day, it says that they went on to have a strong marriage. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about it. However, the marriage was not immediately blessed with children, and there are rumors that they may not have even been consummated for some years. Oh. Yeah. Um... Well, I think that the second one explains the first one. Yep. Mm-hmm. <coughs> mm-hmm. It was only in 1592, after almost 12 years of marriage, that Irina gave birth to a daughter who was named Theodosia. Theodosia. Yeah, but with an F. Um, after her, um, after um, Irina's father. Irina's father, okay. Yeah. Theodore and his wife doted on the daughter who... Of course, because it's motherfucking 1500s, died at the age of two. Aww. Um, there were no other children from the marriage. Do you see how this dynasty might end? Yeah, I see how that could uh, that could affect things. Mm-hmm. Guys, Rachel chose the depressing one this week. <laughs> I, I haven't even gotten to that part yet. <laughs> um, however, Theodore did have a half younger brother. What are all boys' names in, in Russia? Dimitri. Dimitri. <laughs> yeah, Dimitri. Um, um, but Dimitri's mother had been the eighth wife of Ivan the Fourth. Okay. Um, the Orthodox Church recognized a man's right to no more than three wives. <laughs> so Dimitri was actually illegitimate. Um, and of course, Boris, who is power hungry and already kind of ruling anyways, had already banished him from the capital, as one does. As you do. That's what I do. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um... Theodore generally loved his half-brother and wept when Dimitri was sent away 120 kilometers from Moscow. 120 kilometers? Yeah, I was Damn. like, so that's like 100 miles, 90 miles. Kilometers are a little shorter than miles. Um, you said 140? 120. 120. That would be... 74 miles. Okay. Miles, yeah. so, so I even overestimate that. Um, so it's like from here to Lexington. Yeah. Um, but there was no cars at that time. Travel by horse. That's why I said damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he did not interfere. In 1591, the boy died, Dimitri, 
According to one rumor, Dimitri's throat had been slit while another said the boy, get this, had been playing with a knife and had fallen on the blade during an epileptic seizure. What? Yeah. Uh, Tsar, the Tsar, Fyodor, was greatly saddened by Dimitri's death and appears to have never questioned whether Boris was involved in the death or not. He also, from what I heard, was also mentally ill, so who knows, like... And yeah. we don't even know what they mean by that. Right. They don't go into detail, and you don't know. That could mean 10 million things, yeah. to be honest. Um, um, if you have epilepsy, maybe don't play with knives. Also, I think that's a bullshit with this. If you have an evil uncle, <laughs> maybe don't play with <laughs> knives. So. Public service um, so he really was nothing of a czar, to be right, honest. Right. Um, everyone else did everything. And he also was known for not giving a shit, or like did not want to do this, yeah. did not know anything about politics, didn't care to go into it. So he's glad to let Boris do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Um, so when Fyodor died peacefully in his bed in 1598 after a brief illness, the long-ruling dynasty of Rurik came to an end. But this is 1598, and the Romanovs don't take over until 1613, so we got this little time period. And this is the period that the Russians called the Times of Troubles. The Troubles? The Troubles. troubles the Russian Troubles. The Russian Troubles. <laughs> and this is where they ended. <laughs> As opposed to the Irish Troubles. Yes. Which were, we'll get into that on a different episode. Oh, yeah, let's. Um, <laughs> so, and the Times of Troubles started when Fyodor died. And so he was um, six. Uh, the person who took over, yes, he took over. Dimitri. Boris. Boris. No, Dimitri's been banished. That's right. Yeah. Seventy miles away. Boris. He's banished in Lexington. <laughs> I only know five Russian names. Okay. It could be any one of those. Boris. Five. So Boris, who was already kind of running, um, took over. But first things first, um, he was faced with problems of famine um, right away. So. Extremely poor harvests were encountered from 1601 to 1603, with night temperatures in all summer months often below freezing, wrecking crops. Um, what's interesting is they've now figured out that the probable cause of the climatic changes was the eruption of a volcano in Peru in 1600 from a year before, which is fascinating. That is amazing. That's so cool, yeah. I'm not even going to try and like. So there was a volcano it. in Peru that erupted in 1600, and a year later, and then it the caused. Died in Russia. It caused climatic shifts for it to be an extra cold summer. And I still think that witchcraft is the easier answer here. Okay. Um. You're just like my friend who thinks that airplanes are moved by magic. She's like, there's no other explanation. No other. I said, no, this actually has to do with like force. And she said, no, no, it's magic. <laughs> I'm just joking, listeners. I don't believe in witchcraft. Um, then your warlock is definitely not going to help you out now. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so widespread hunger led to um, mass starvation of about um, two million Russians. So one third of the population died of starvation. So that's not a great way to start. It's not a good, good thing for you. Doors like I'm out. Yeah. I'm already gone. Can't blame me. Yeah. Um, so the government district district. Excuse me. The government though tried to help out. They distributed money and food for poor for people in Moscow. But what does that do? That literally brings all the refugees, all the other people outside, flocking to the capital, increasing the economic disorganization. So now there's no one out because their crops are dead. They can't grow anything. So now they know that they can get food in this uh, the city. So they all come to the city. Um, 
And then there were a lot of conspiracies. Um, rural, so here's the thing, rural districts were desolated by famine and plague. And then there were large bands of armed brigands that roamed the country committing all manners of atrocities because everything was just up in the air at this point. Um, Somehow I see this happening again. Was, um... Spoilers. <laughs> um, no. uh, so then in 1603, after our two years of famine, uh-huh. a man calling himself Dimitri, um, first of the so-called false Dimitris, <laughs> and professing to be the rightful heir to the throne, appeared in the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. Um, I don't know if you know this, but way, 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 way back, um, from what I read, the first... Rurik is the actual name of like the first Rurik to rule was actually of like Polish descent, so they have a lot of Polish blood in the mm-hmm. um in these in this dynasty. Um, so the real p- Prince Dmitri, um, we know, is already dead. Yeah. Link. Um, I also just found out because I googled it. Uh, False Dmitri uh, is not a band name yet. So, so if you, we we gotta yeah. clean dig out right now. <laughs> so our band is gonna be called False, False Dimitri. Yeah, <gasps> that's a great idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, the um, the mysterious individual who was impersonating him was regarded as the rightful fucking heir <laughs> <laughs> by many of the population. I um, love it. Some powerful um, people decide to support False Dimitri with their own forces and money in the expectation of rich rewards afterwards. Like, obviously, if I get you into power, you, sh- you like, what is it? You pat my back, I pat your back, whatever yeah. it's called. Um, and then False Dimitri married Marina, and immediately after Gudnov died in 1605... Um, so he only reigned for like six years. Um, he made his triumphal entry into fucking Moscow and became the fucking Tsar or like ruler. I love history so much. <laughs> All right. So don't worry though. The reign of False Dimitri was very, very short. Before a year had even passed, um, a guy named Shuisky, S H U I S K Y, Shuisky, an ambitious. Rurik Prince formed a conspiracy against False Dimitri. His forces murdered False Dimitri. I'm just going to keep calling him False Dimitri. <laughs> Soon after his marriage in the Moscow Kremlin, together with many of his supporters who were br- brutally massacred, Shusky and his men were estimated to have killed 2,000 Poles. Wow. Yeah. So guess who sees power? Shusky, of course. Shusky. The Rurik Prince. Can you um, imagine, like, Pledging your allegiance to somebody named Shusky. No. But if their name was Husky, yes. Because then I'll just think of a Siberian Husky. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like it's like the American equivalent of Bob. Like, Bob. <laughs> I guess I'll vote for Bob. The great ruler Bob. <laughs> I'll say that's been taking a drink. <laughs> All hail Bob. <laughs> This is why, like, monarchy is bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm showing you why it's great. (laughs) All right. So, of course, Shusky seized power and was elected Tsar by an assembly composed of his own people. (laughs) But the um, change did not satisfy the Russian nobles. Um, Yeah, I wonder why. The Commonwealth people 
or the German mercenaries, and soon a new imposter calling himself Dimitri, said an heir of Ivan the Terrible, came forward as the rightful heir. <laughs> so many Dimitris. Um, and then there was another war. There's lots of wars going around this time. Uh, and because of war, Shusky was actually forced to abdicate the throne. I can't go into I tried re- reading it, <laughs> and I was like, it's a lot. So I'm just condensing this little area down. Okay. Um, so now Shusky has abdicated the other Dmitri like nothing came of him. Uh, so Russia was in a critical condition. The throne was vacant. The um, like high nobles fought amongst themselves. Um, Catholic Poles occupied the Moscow and Kremlin. Protestant Swedes occupied Novogrod. And um, raids left the south borderlands of Russia completely depopulated and devastated. So we're back to being chill like in Russia mm-hmm. um, so eventually war is still kind of going on enormous bands of brigades swarmed everywhere tens of thousands died in battle um, and somehow uh, the Polish and German mercenaries suppressed riots in Moscow they um, massacred 7,000 Muscovites Russians yeah. um, in two days and then many other uh, cities were also devastated or weakened. Um, for example, on September 22nd, 1612, the Poles and Lithuanians exterminated population, population and clergy of Vologod. Like, a, of a city. Like, completely exterminated a city. Damn. Yeah. Alright. Alright, so after the Battle of Moscow in October... The invaders retreated to the Kremlin. Um, the nearby Polish army was forced to retreat. Finally, success for the Russians. <laughs> this is me very condensing this down. Yay, Russian. It's a little all over the place. I'm sorry. But now in February 1613, a Grand National Assembly unanimously elected Mikhail Fyodorovich Romanov. <laughs> Everyone else referred to him as Michael, but I'll say Mikhail. Mikhail. Um, so... <laughs> He was at the ripe old age, too, of 16. Why did they vote for him, you ask? Why did they vote for a 16-year-old? Did he want it? No. Was he qualified? Hell no. <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, so he's 16, unqualified, and doesn't want the job? He did not want it. Michael was related to the last czar of the Rurik dynasty, Fyodor, through his grandfather, Nikita Romanov, who was Fyodor's maternal uncle. I like the name Nikita. I do too. Um, so, the 16-year-old noble wasn't exactly eager to accept his new role. I wonder why. Their parent, or their, his parents had suffered greatly during the time of troubles. His mother had been forced to become a nun and his father a monk. Um, and he and his mother were in hiding when emissaries from the National Convention arrived. Once he agreed to lead Russia... The uneducated and physically weak Michael wasn't exactly a strong-willed ruler, but his legitimate presence brought both peace and order to a country on the verge of destruction. So in March, he did accept the offer of the throne with great reluctance. And that is how the fucking Romanovs became the new dynasty. From humble beginnings. Yeah, he ruled for 32 years until his death in 1645, and the next Tsar was his son, of course... Alexis the first um, and then there's so many great Romanovs like Peter the Great 
Catherine. We got our first lady in there, first mm-hmm. legitimate lady. Um, and then obviously it all ends with Nicholas II, as we all know. And they all are fucking dead. Anastasia did not get out of that one alive. I, I saw a Disney movie that. Um, I'm chair apocryphal. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that was when you closed your laptop, like, triumphantly, like, we made... Yes, but that's just, like, the beginning. There's so much... Unfortunately, I was going to try and, like, more about the work dynasty, but it's, like, so far back. Yeah. I'd have to be able to go to, like, the library at UofL to get more information on it. I have yeah. seen, literally, countless documentaries on the Romanov family, cause, and they all talk about just the last one, which I get it. It is most interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's not the most interesting czar by any means. He's actually very boring. Yeah. And couldn't do anything. And didn't care either. Other ones, they do have, like, one about Ivan the Terrible, but I don't really want to focus on him. It was, but a lot of people are saying it's because of him. It's kind of what led to the destruction, because then you, he basically killed his son, who was the only one who could do it. Um, and this isn't the first instance with the work dynasty where they, like, didn't have an heir, but they were able to find a way to like still keep it in the family and have like work as the last name or however you, yeah. however they kind of did it. Um, there was one really funny story. I don't know if funny is the right word. Let's hear it. I'm trying to remember, but <laughs> basically, um, I think it was the, it has to be one of the Romanovs. Um, early in the Romanov history, the father died very young. Mm-hmm. And so the two oldest sons actually ruled simultaneously at the same time but they were both so young that their sister would actually whisper in their ears to tell them what to say to the people and they would do it nice. like such fascinating stories and Peter and Ke- yeah there are so many so I'll go into those individually at some point <laughs> I'm not doing like a 10 part series in a row I'll just do it sporadically okay. I promise because cool. even I get tired of hearing about it but I just was kind of curious because I didn't actually know about how the Romanovs started because I was thinking well we all know how it ends but do we know how it begins and it's kind of interesting it's not like the Romanovs fought with the Rurics it's yeah. literally still kind of in the same family line but just enough where they changed the name yeah even I mean he could have changed it back to Yurik it's not like he wasn't related but or I guess he was but so look forward to uh, more stories about the Romanovs and yes. our or ban the false Dimitris. Oh my gosh, yes. There are <laughs> apparently at least three, if not more, instances of three people saying that they were the Dimitri. And you can just see Boris going, are you shitting me? <laughs> I killed you. I know I did, but I can't say it out loud. Not that these people didn't do horrible things to, like, right. peasants and stuff. Right. Or traitors. If they thought you were a threat, you were gone. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Have you learned a little more about... You're seen to be home country. Do you need more beer for that? <laughs> so, that's all we have for today, guys. Yeah. Um, as always, check us out online. We're at uh, uh, absintheactivismarts.wordpress.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at absintheactivismarts. We're on Twitter at absintheactart. Um we're on Patreon. Um, at, uh, huh? oh, go ahead. <laughs> we're at we're at Patreon at uh, Absent Activism Arts. There we go. <laughs> um, what else? Is that Long all? Long live the, the false Demetrius. 
Long Live the False Dimitris. Um, as always, buy my book, uh, read my stories, go check out Katie's artwork, go out, go check out our new musician, um, Joshua Paul Brooks. Um, I think that might be all. Very good. Cool. Um, and don't forget to share us with your friends. Uh, yeah. Rate and uh, subscribe and all that good stuff. Yes. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out.